This is iFanboy Pick for the Week, number 614, brought to you by Harry's. Go to harrys.com slash iFanboy to get $5 off your holiday orders, and iFanboy listeners just like you. I love those J-I-N-G-L-E bells. Oh, those holiday J-I-N-G-L-E bells. Oh, those happy J-I-N-G-L-E, B-E-L-L-S. I love those J-I-N-G-L-E bells. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. What fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hello, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 614. It's the last episode of 2017, a year that can burn forever <laughs> in the memories of everyone who lived through it. Go screw. Go screw 2017. <laughs> oh, God, I can't even imagine what. Anyway, I am Josh Flanagan, and I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello, Josh, and the people. Can you guess which part of that was ad-libbed? <laughs> We are iFanboy, and every week I say things off script, and Connor rolls his eyes a little bit. We read our stack of comics also, and one of us picks our favorite book, and we call that the pick of the week, and we talk about that book, other books from the week, the patron pick, and maybe if we have some time, we'll read some listener mail, do some stuff like that. The goal is amusement, joy, and fun. This is your spoiler warning. It is a review show where we'll be talking about what happens in the books. There will be some spoilers, exercise, some cautions, and hey, for those of you out in entertainment land out there, maybe don't tell us what happens in the books before we do the show. Just saying. Or don't go on social media, Josh. I, I, I sit by myself in a room all day, every day. Can you imagine how bad it would be if I didn't have that? <laughs> Can you imagine? Connor, you had the pick. Thank goodness. I did. And after last week's fifth week reprieve, in which I think I had 10 books, I was hoping maybe, you know, for this last week, they would take it easy on us. But no, I had like 23 books to read. And... As people know, as I've said before, as astute listeners will remember, I leave my most exciting books for the end, the books I'm looking forward to the most. The second to last book I read is Batman 36, and I thought, well, geez, I mean, that's good. That's the pick. There's no, Nothing's beaten that. And then I read DC Holiday Special 2017 number one. Again, long-time listeners know I'm a sucker for the holiday specials. After the disaster that was the Halloween one that we read a couple of months ago, Josh, if you recall, if you blocked it out. I do remember. I was a little worried. But this was a near 90-page special featuring 11 stories, and this one featured some really big names. Good name. More, I mean, almost more than that. Instead of big names, just like, oh, oh, these are, these are soothing, comforting, skilled names. And it was at the point when I was reading the Flash story in which the little girl said, I saved up all my money to buy my parents these presents, but I'm stuck in this airport. Can you go run them to them? I started to tear up. I also did. And I thought, well, shit, this is the pick of the week. I mean, if a book yep. makes me cry... It's going to win. I would love this. I mean, you know, these are all short stories. Some are better than others. There was only, I think there was only two I didn't really like. You know, you had a Greg Rucka Batman story. You had Max Landis and Francis Manipal doing a, a great Superman story. Tom King and Francesco Francovia doing a Sergeant Rock story. Denny wow. O'Neill and a Steve Epting Batman story. And a wraparound bookend story for Jeff Lemire and Giuseppe Camicoli featuring Superman and Constantine. I love this. Green Arrow by Phil Hester. First of all, 80 pages, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll just take it. Come on. <laughs> so I didn't actually, I, I cherry picked a little bit and I skimmed through the parts that mm-hmm. merited skimming and they were yep. pretty easy to tell what they were. But I, I read, I read the, the bulk of the ones that I would have enjoyed. Right. <laughs> if, that, if that tells you where we're at. Uh, right away, one way to get me here is that you put John Constantine in a story, but whatever. You've got Giuseppe Camicoli drawing him. Giuseppe Camicoli was the artist for the last. 40 or 50 oh, that's issues right. I forgot about of Hellblazer. That. And so a lot of times when they cut to a guy who is blonde in a shirt, I think, is that John Constantine? But because I know that artist and this character, and also the style has actually changed a lot, I instantly knew who it was and it made me feel happy because I was like, oh, he can draw Constantine, 100%. So that yeah. was good. I mean, that this is the, the real difference between this and the Halloween one is that you know, I really don't like to to bash on Keith Giffen. I like him a lot, but he's not bringing what I want to comics most of the time. And he, you know, did all those Halloween stories. And this was like, you know, people who I'm more interested in. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if it's so much that as it was that was like taking those characters and putting them into that is true. super horror stories that made them evil. And It's true, but also they weren't interesting. Yeah, but I think at the end of the day, I don't know how interesting you can make a story in which Superman kills his family. You know what I mean? Well... And I guess you could say that is in the spirit of Halloween, but... It's not in the spirit of DC Comics, though, so it's... Right. It's, 
this was in the spirit of DC Comics and in the spirit of Christmas and the holidays and Hanukkah. And I really liked the wraparound story that yep. Clark Kent goes to Bibbo's bar every year around Christmas time because he's not sure he did enough and he's not sure that Superman is actually helping. It's Superman's version of putting a picture up on his face on the internet and having everyone tell him he's pretty. <laughs> well, it's true because Bibbo's Superman's number one fan. So if right. you're going to go anywhere to get uh, reassured. But then I like that super, that Clark allows himself a moment of reflection on the year with his club soda at the dive bar and on the docks. And then I like that Constantine was there and that there was a nice contrast. And, uh, um, jerk. <laughs> For those playing at home, Josh just put something in the chat room that almost made me laugh and he's an <laughs> asshole. I like that wraparound story a whole hell of a lot. I like the way Steve Epting draws Batman. Yeah. Even though it was a mishmash of the two costumes, it was the new symbol and belt and then the old stupid knee pads, which are maybe the dumbest thing that ever happened to Batman in his 80-year history. Ow. That may be hyperbole. I don't know. It's Christmas. But I like the oh, way... Those are really bad. <laughs> Denny O'Neill and Steve Epting on Batman. That was, an, yeah. that was a fun little, almost horror-esque story, but I liked it. I liked the Green Arrow and Black Canary being uh, Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus. And I'm pretty happy about some uh, some Phil Hester art. Yeah, especially since you just interviewed him. It was nice. Yeah, I, and, I, and like the thing that I think of, the thing that I loved is, you know, his Green Arrow and Black Canary. That was, that was great back then. And then just Tom King again. It was, it was interesting, though. It was, such, it was a really great short story. Uh, I don't know what it had to do with Christmas. It was in snow. It was in the snow. I don't care. I, you know what? That didn't occur to me until you said it. No, I, I'm not. I'm not necessarily complaining about it because it was really terrific. Francesco Francavia on art, a story about a GI uh, transporting a Nazi officer, and then they both get shot. It was great. It just I don't know what to do with Christmas, but it's fine. It's fine. It didn't matter. It's funny because the other day he said he had to do a like on Twitter or something. He said he had to do a five page short story, and he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. And I was like, What the fuck's wrong with you? You've written more good mainstream short stories than anybody I know in years. His strength is structure, and that's short stories are all about structure and, char- and characters. Yeah. But also Francavia, I mean, oh, so good. nailed it. It was a delight. And yeah, that Flash story, the art on that I really liked. The Neil Gouge art. Neil Gouge. From Flash writer Josh Williamson, in which yeah. there is a bad storm in Central City, and a bunch of flights are stranded, and so Flash ends up running everyone home. I really liked that one a lot. I, I didn't read Deathstroke story. I liked it because it was by the series regular writer Christopher Priest, sure. drawn by Tom Grummet, who used to draw Deathstroke in the '90s. He did, he did mm-hmm. the Terminator series in the '90s. They're just the most fucked up family. So it was kind of like an anti-Christmas story. Yeah, you know they're cursing each other out, they're threatening to kill each other, and but it's mm-hmm. kind of sweet in that weird Slade Wilson way. Sure. And then the uh, Max Landis Francis Manipal story I thought was really terrific. Mm-hmm. That was a really good story. The Didio Atomic Knight I passed story, on by. Didn't care so much. They were being attacked by mutant wine uh, grape vineyards. I don't know. It was, I didn't re- really care about that one. Teen Titans Holiday, uh, the Holiday Spirit story, Shea Fontana and Otto Schmidt. Otto Schmidt, you know, the sometime artist of Green Arrow, who we love. It was awesome to see him draw these different characters. That was a fun story, mostly about Starfire and not understanding Christmas. The Swamp Thing story, didn't love so much. Really weird and dark. Did you read that one? All these guys up in the International Space Station, the astronauts find, uh, are watching the news, and it's on the news that basically the world is about to go to nuclear war. Seven different nuclear countries are about to launch their missiles, and they freak out. I'm like, that was really dark for Christmas. Yeah. Wonder Woman and Batman, I thought was a really sweet story, which, you know, is, is a Greg Rucka special, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wonder Woman's light, Batman's dark, and uh, they come together to celebrate together secretly by themselves because who else understands the importance of not losing the light in the darkness. Do you know who this artist is? Bilquist. No. I've never heard of this artist. This was really nice. I have never heard of this artist, and it looked a little bit like Steve Lieber. It's more not, nah. Not in the faces so much. Mm-hmm. But it's Rucka's kind of artist. Yeah, no, totally. It just it was really nice, and I, I don't recognize that name. I wonder if he did one of the um, Lazarus X-55s. Maybe. But this is a great heartwarming little holiday special. They're kind of timeless stories. And I, I'm glad they got some of the best people in comics to do them. She is a Brazilian artist who did Sugar and Spike slash Batman, whatever that means. Hmm. So I don't know. Really nice art. It basically just has a deviant art page that I found here. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, that was good. Almost like a new talent showcase. There you go. Yeah. So there you go. There's your, your final pick of the week of the year. DC holiday special 2017, number one. 
I'm not going to say I didn't agonize over it for a few minutes because Batman 36 was really, really terrific. Batman 36 was really, really good. I would have been hard-pressed not to make it my pick of the week. But also, I mean, like, every week we've got to do the, look at what Tom King's doing. (laughs) And, like, we are not in the bag for him other than the fact that the work is good and, like, I like the guy. No, and the thing is that the work is good and it's it's new-ish. His style is not a style that I'm seeing anywhere else. You know, there's a lot of writers who are interchangeable. If you take their names off the book, you could put anyone else's name on it and no one would blink an eye. But I don't think you could put any other writer on Tom King's books. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's why we talk about it so much, because it's so interesting and new. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, his sensibilities are very aligned with the kind of thing I like. Mm-hmm. A lot. Like, in, in a certain way, my former aspirations, you know, to be a comic book writer, I'm like, oh, this is like what I would have wanted to do. And he's way better than me. So. Mm-hmm. No need for that. Like he's he's literally like that that good. I think, and and I think it's really interesting, especially with this title, Batman, how he found his way. Yeah, it, it's, it has taken a while. There was there was fits and starts. Yeah. There was some good stuff in the beginning. There was some stuff in the middle that wasn't that interesting. He's trying to figure out what his take on Batman was going to be, and I, and I don't think he knew what it was. He did like he first. I first I think he tried to do a Batman kind of story, and then that morphed into. You know, that was okay. It was, it was good. It was fine. And now he's doing a Tom King story about Batman, and now it's working. And that's what we're seeing, I think. Yeah. The, the structure of this was also delightful. It, it shouldn't work on paper, kind of, because this isn't what people, I think, want from a Batman story. But this is what I want from a Batman story. So, <laughs> you know, you've got basically this. And I'm on the show, so whatever. Right. <laughs> this social anxiety, you know, about, about well, I don't want to talk to my friend and I can't get the words out and being a little mad about how something was said or not said, but it's between Batman and Superman and the really beautiful contrast of the bit where, you know, Superman's, well, what am I compared to that guy? And then Batman thinks the same thing and it's ridiculous, but they can only relate to each other because they're both titans. And the wives, fiancés being like, you guys are dumb, which is yeah. often the way things go. I really love the scene in which they finally run into each other and and nobody's introducing anybody. And Lois finally goes, hi, I'm Lois. I assume you're a Catwoman. Like, <laughs> it was just a great bit. There's a huge, like, they're, they're retconning the shit out of Catwoman right now. But I don't care. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No, I know it doesn't matter. Nothing yeah, that's what I mean. I, I agree with you. I don't care. Yeah. But, like, if I was being stuck on that, or, and this is crucial, if it wasn't really good, mm-hmm. then you'd be like, well, that's stupid. And I'm sure that there are people who are thinking that, but they have no joy in their hearts. I know that I'm supposed to not have any joy in my hearts, but... And when you say it... Right. I mean, when I say it, it means something. The Clay Man art was really terrific. Yeah, so it really was. He yeah. Con- he continues to ha- be on this hot streak of these artists that he's getting for these arcs. As we've talked before, it'd be great if you know there was consistency and you had the same team month in, month out. But if you can't do that, if that's no longer the reality... If you get these top flight men and women, last one was Joel Jones. Yeah. If that's the way it's got to be, that's okay. It's looks A couple good. of things about that. Like, A, I'm assuming sales are good enough that he's getting a little more input on who gets to draw oh, things. Oh, uh, sure. This ain't David Finch anymore. <laughs> no. You know, that's not a thing that's happening. Also, I've, I've seen Clay Man around a lot. I don't think I've thought about him in a while. He, whatever he's doing here is good. Like, this mm. is definitely, I really like the, like, he's just got the scene of Clark Kent, like, in the hat and just the way that he's drawn the bodies and everything. Yep. And it's funny because I got to the one page where they're in the Batcave and, and Selina, you know, has got our decolletage exposed. And I thought, that's weird. And then I realized, like, oh, she was all zipped up in the other pages and they're just at home. And I was like, all right, I can kind of allow that. She's <laughs> a, they're at home and she's, she's trying to, you know, start no, the, I, I get it. start the party. Fine. It it struck me. I was like, oh, she looked like that, whole, like that the whole time. That's not, that's not good. And then I looked and I was like, oh, no. Okay, that makes sense. They're relaxed. It's like when the- I would be. I would if I was her. I would try to be sexy with my man. <laughs> yeah. Also, I would. I would unzip a little when I got home because that's probably really hot and sweaty leather. Yeah. No, that doesn't breathe. No, it's not a breathable fabric for sure. I mean, maybe Batman's is, but for her, hers is not. I mean, she'll. He'll. You know what? Chances are for the holidays. Here's some. Here's some breathable suits. <laughs> you think you could get on that? You know, now that they're engaged. Yeah, there's a lot going on, man. I know, I've been meaning to make the breathable suit. No, this was great. So this last arc was uh, Batman dealing with his family in terms of the engagement. Now this is, this is the arc called Super Friends. He's going to be at least talking to Superman and Wonder Woman from what we've seen from preview pages. Nice. I really like this. I read this issue and all I had left was the holiday special. And I was like, well, come, I mean, come on. Nothing else even came close this week. And then Flash made me cry. Let us, 
led us away to the environs of New York City and the folks over at Doctor Strange number 382. We have to thank the patrons, right? Do we? Wasn't 381 the patron pick? I'm, I've been reading it all along. But yeah, I but I read, I read this only because I loved the last one. I think it was because it was a patron pick that I read it in the first place. So I have to thank the patrons. Okay. Because I wouldn't be reading this otherwise. All right. Well, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Donnie Cates, up and coming, uh, talented guy. The incomparable Gabriel Hernandez Walta uh, of Vision on art. So it's a good basis. It's a good start. Stephen Strange is a veterinarian at the beginning of this, sort of. <laughs> I love that scene. Can I take a diversion before we talk about the book? Yeah. Okay. There was, there was just a hint of regret in your response, but fine. I have noticed over the last year, in comics particularly, that creators are leaning heavily on animals, hmm. specifically dogs in their stories. There's another one that's going to be coming up later that we're going to talk about to find some symbol of goodness and heart. It's been happening a lot. And I understand why we're all part of this same internet culture. And at this point, the only thing good on the internet is cute animal photos. And so <laughs> it's bleeding into the way that all these people are telling their stories. And it's a really quick and easy signifier. You know, Mike Norton has built his entire career at this point around. It used to be built around rubble, but now it's built around dogs. But it's a zeitgeist thing that is showing up in all of these comics. And it's really interesting. And you're going to start to notice it. It's I mean, this is better than I got this. But this is this year's I got this. You, God damn it. In, the, in Guardians of the Galaxy, there was also Cosmo this week, too. Right. It's just, it's this thing, for whatever reason, the human response, even if you're not really a dog or a cat person, like, you're gonna have a moment of, okay, that's good. Like, it, it and so, therefore, then when they strangle that animal in front of you, then you're also gonna feel <laughs> that. Well, in this issue, we have Doctor Strange's dog pal, who he can talk to through magic. Others can hear him, too. That's right. His universal translator spell works, I guess, in like a bubble fashion. Yeah. I liked that the dog didn't talk like, like dumb. Yeah, I, do I don't. Too. I don't necessarily mind that. I like that he just kind of talked like a person. <laughs> he draws a really good basset hound. He did. It's a very good basset hound. Those faces are all fantastic. <laughs> but without Lord, it's sort of making him uh, non-anthropomorphic. He didn't make him anthropomorphic. That's right. So we know, as we said last time, Loki is now Doctor, uh, not Doctor Strange. He's the Sorcerer Supreme. Doctor yep. Strange is a veterinarian. Loki is trying to discover the most powerful spell in existence, the one that consolidates all magic into one person. That requires Doctor Strange to put his lab coat down and go confront Loki. Also, he, he kissed his friend Zelma. He didn't see that until he got to the house. Okay, we're burying the lead, though. <laughs> Because the reason that we're talking about this, all those other things. Oh my God, I'd forgotten. <laughs> I bet you I had. I had forgotten. I had completely forgotten about what happened at the end of this. So on, on the way, at the, at the cold open in the beginning, Strange is on a journey. He's climbing up a mountain to uh, get to somewhere to see someone who may or may not even exist, he says. An old friend of his. And at the end, we realize that's Bob. Yeah. You might know Bob as the sentry. Who was I, gone. Um, I didn't when he was talking to the dude, the blonde dude in the sweater vest, who was watering his lawn on top of this Himalayan mountain in his Cape Cod style house. I didn't know who the fuck that was. I've buried that deep in my psyche. And I kept reading and I was like, who is this? And then he turned the page and I went, Oh shit. So you've had a little time to digest it, you've wrestled it. Where do you stand? I'm never happy when the century's around. I'm still going to read it. Cause, I mean, I loved this issue. Mm -hmm. This was in the, you know, the top three or four books I read this week. And the art's obviously terrific. As long as Walt is drawing it, I'll probably read it. Sure. I just don't like the century. Yeah, no. And I, I would have agreed with you. But at this point, I'm like, fuck it, bring it on. <laughs> you know what? I, that's what I thought. I thought, all right, fine. Go for it. You're going to grab that torch, light everything on fire. Do it. <laughs> I honestly think that there is a way to make this work. And I think that the way to make that work is to not treat the Sentry so seriously. Mm -hmm. And I think in the past, and I don't know that that's what's going to happen, but this is a pretty wacky book. Yeah. There's an inherent silliness about it. And if you treat it with like all the gravitas in the world and you just, there's no, like it's not going to work. But if they, if they let it be, you know, it can be that to a certain extent. But if they want to play with these toys that are in the boxes because they're bored of playing with everything else... I can't hold that against anyone. It's like, it's there. See what happens. There is a pre-established relationship between Strange and the Sentry. She cut the long hair off him. I don't like that. But besides that, whatever. Bring it on. Was the last time we saw him, was it the 
that whole debacle with the funeral? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah that, was, that was the aftermath. I, but that was the last bit, right? Yeah, he hasn't been back. I don't remember. I don't remember what event he was killed off in. I, I feel like I feel like Ramita drew it. I buried all of that like it was like it was the century himself. Like Satana pulled my memories out of my head. You're mixing right now. It's difficult. It's metaphors. It's a mixed metaphor. It's fine. I know. Justice League 34. This is the first issue of Justice League I've read in a while. Sure. This features the new creative team of Christopher Priest and Pete Woods. Woods. Pete Woods, who's a sort of a, I don't want to say journeyman, but he's like one of those solid DC artists. I would actually put him a step ahead of solid. I was like, oh, yeah, I like no, Pete I, I like Pete Woods. I'm saying he's yeah. like one of those guys you can drop into any DC book, and he's like, mm-hmm. he's going to take care of it. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. He's like the guy, the bass player they brought in at the end of that thing you do. You know? <laughs> he's going to do a great job. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about Wolfman. He's just going to come in, and he's going to play that bass. <laughs> ah! I'm happy to read a Justice League book. I, li- I want to read the Justice League book. Uh, I liked this. I didn't love it. I like Christopher Priest. I like his Deathstroke a lot. I mean, this was better than the last time. I, the last time I read it was when Brian Hitch was doing writing and art. And I didn't think it was that good. What I think is weird about this is that this has basically been the same Justice League lineup yeah. since the beginning, other than they swapped out Hal Jordan for Simon and Jessica. So now there's two Green Lanterns on the team instead of one. But other than that, it's the same lineup. And the Justice League, to me, was always sort of growing and changing, and people would leave and They'd add new members, and you'd get to rediscover the league through the eyes of a Firestorm or a Kyle Rayner or somebody like that. I mean, it's been static for seven years, basically, other than obviously the Green Lantern change. It's the same seven people from the movie. And that's kind of have a that bummer. weird team now. Yeah, I don't or, know. You know, maybe they can. The movie tanked, but still. It's just weird. I don't know. I can't think of any other seven year stretch in which the team didn't change other than one member. Just bizarre. So, this also this led to my second sweeping generalization mm-hmm. observation of the week yeah to preface that i really liked this and yeah. I, again i didn't love it but i enjoyed it and i have not read a justice league book i enjoyed in quite some time it's like a solid b yeah i really enjoyed the art a lot christopher priest is you know he's a he's a veteran he's got a lot of skill he's good it's not didn't blow me away but i, I liked some things that were going on here that was really well constructed i found it curious that at a time when the Justice League is, you know, they, they couldn't have known, I guess they probably did know, how the movie would do or take it, you know, that it wouldn't light the world on fire or anything, that they went with a couple of guys who are veteran journeymen. Right. It's not an A-lister, you know, creative group. It's just a solid, skilled group. And maybe that's because they figured they wouldn't have sold any more books that way, or maybe they just like to pitch. Either way, that that's actually not the observation. That's a mini observation. What was the thing that I noticed? Which is a DC thing. They seem to do that a lot. Like, yep. instead of going for it, they just go, yeah, why don't you give it to Keith? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I am noticing that for quite a while now, the emphasis of Batman uh, specifically, and this like goes across the line, is that we're telling the story of the downhill Batman. What do you mean? The aging Batman. It's everything. I mean, this is what Tom King's story is. He's sort of had a lot of it and he's settling down to a certain extent. Right. This is a Batman who, like, this story is about how he's tired and he starts, starts to make some mistakes in the field and stuff like that. And it's funny because the New 52 was the thing that was going to reset that and turn it all to, like, okay, these are the yep. superheroes we knew. Five years later, they're young, they're in their prime. And gradually, over the course, that we've got to this point that we're telling the story of a Batman who is starting to feel his age a little bit. That is so goddamn symbolic of the people making comics that I don't know what to do. That is my feeling about Batman. Not that he's bad or whatever, but like it's hard to do anything new with him and it's difficult. People are telling their good stories and they're doing their best, but there is an element of it that's getting tired. And the writers are feeling it too. That's what I'm getting at. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I certainly... I, I think it says a lot about just all the guys who are doing this are in their careers right now. They're all guys who are you know, in their, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, they're they're looking at this superhero thing from when they were kids and they're trying to figure out a way to tell a relevant story with it. Well, I mean, the, the weird thing about that is that the people who have done Batman have always been in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And I know, but it was new. To... Batman wasn't new. Batman isn't new anymore. Well, he wasn't new in the 80s. He was, he'd been around for 40 plus years at that point. But that wasn't the kind of story they were telling. Right. I, I, and I don't know why that is. You're right. It, these, these are popping up more and more. It might not just be about Batman. I mean, it, again, like if we're talking about Zeitgeist, it's somehow related. Like we're starting to see these currents of the world that are coming through in the comics that are, are really interesting if you look at them on that level. Maybe I'm making it up, but like there's something happening there. 
and what it is ain't exactly clear. <laughs> I think oh, stop it. <laughs> Everyone's just really tired. I mean, yes, that's kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> that's what Batman is. He's just really tired here. It was good. I love that though. Like, I, I, like it's been done a lot. I thought that part of it was done really, really well in this issue. That shot of him just like sitting at the bottom of the stairs and leaning on it, yeah. and Alfred, you know, who, who functions as as our conscious or he, he functions as sort of reason. It's just like you need to sleep, <laughs> you know. And he's that voice in your head that says you should be doing this thing, and you go, yeah, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got more work to do. Yeah, and that's what the world feels like. Yeah, I like Aquaman the bus driver. <laughs> I really was like, "Is that Ollie Queen?" <laughs> and then, it, and then I decided intentionally to not go back and look at the lineup again. Right. So I couldn't figure out who it was at first, and then I saw him take this shirt. I was like, "Oh yeah, Aquaman, of course, obviously." But how much fun would it be to put Ollie Queen in the team? Like, they need to get away from just the big seven. I mean, I say that in quotes because Cyborg, no matter how much they try, is not a big seven. Yeah. Put some more people on. Do what Grant Morrison did. He had made the Team 12 people. Yeah. But I think your, your point is interesting about the creative team itself. As much as I like them both, you'd think they wouldn't put a prestige team on this book. It's strange that they don't. And, and like I said, it, it's good. It, it doesn't matter to me. But I don't know if there are any prestige teams anymore. And I think that that's also valid. Like they can, pay, they can find a guy who's like a big deal. Although I just realized, <laughs> I just realized there's a dude coming. That's what I was, so, I was, gonna, I was just going to say. You know, unless Bendis wants to come in and revitalize Justice League. I'll tell you what, right now, this seems like the most likely place if you're going to look at who's helming what and how they're doing it. Unless they're going to take a book away from one of their prestige folks. Well, we'll find out soon enough, won't we? I guess so, but there's your number one candidate right there, just based on what we've seen. Let's take a quick break to talk about Harry's. And Josh, the thing that I really appreciate about Harry's, and it's not just the uh, smooth shave... The elegant design of the accoutrement. It's the sense of timing. I ran out of blades last weekend. I had done my, you know, I do my one, one blade a week. I changed it on the weekends. And I was like, oh, crap, I don't have any more blades. That day, the package arrived at my doorstep. No joke. If you are the, like a guy like me who goes through a lot of blades and you want to sign up for the recurring club, well, they will take care of you. They always seem to know exactly when the timing is right to send you new blades. And they arrived right at my door. It was a great, great experience. <laughs> And also, they make great gifts, Josh. I don't know about you, but I've got like three or four people in my family group who is, I've never uh, have any idea what to buy them for Christmas. Mm-hmm. There's always like, oh, geez, what am I going to do now? Harry's makes great gifts. A couple years ago, I brought my brother a gift set, got it in, his name engraved on it, and uh, he, he's a Harry's customer to this day. And so now I have another Harry's gift going out to somebody. In the, in the family this year. They'll, they'll be getting that. Like someone else last year got a Harry's gift set. At, at family events that you, don't know, that you don't go to, everyone's like, so Connor's really into shaving, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the thing about difficult men to shop for is most likely they got to shave. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Problem solved. And they're locked into their shaving loop routine. They've already got the thing. And like, well, if I do that, I got to start over. But you're like, there's a better way. And, you know, they're always excited about it. And last year, the person who got the, the gift set really loved it, really loved the blades. I mean, it's, it's almost a no-brainer. If you need that gift for some guy in your life who's very hard to shop for and you don't know what to get him, Harry's gift set. Harry's, Harry's gift sets are, are really great for that. Do you already know that Harry's makes quality products with reasonable prices? It's a company that guys love. There's over 3 million guys who've switched to Harry's. It's a practical gift, something they'll use a lot. It's not like one of those things where you give somebody and they're like, oh... Great, a melon baller. And then they never use it. This is something they'll use every single day, and they'll think of you every time. I think what happens more often with the melon baller is that you think, oh, cool. And then like six months later, you go, I don't use that damn thing. Why was I so excited about it? <laughs> and the other thing about the Harry's gift set is you can personalize it. As I said, to get my brother. My brother has a three-word first name, so I got his first name on it. Most people put initials on there, but you can, you can get it engraved. You can choose the you color. You mean three-letter. Three-word. He's... It was a long engraving. It cost me a lot of money. No, three letters. Custom gift sets, they feel really specific and personal. You pick out the color, you can engrave it. It feels like a special gift made just for them. This holiday, Harry's is offering custom and limited edition shaving sets that make perfect gifts. Their gift sets were built with guys in mind, so you know they'll love them. Sets come with German-engineered five-blade cartridges that provide a close, comfortable shave. Foaming shave gel that smells amazing. Special limited edition winter chrome and emerald green handles, which I'm jealous of. Personalize it with engraving, as I said before. And no matter what you're looking for, Harry's has you covered. Sets come gift-ready in beautifully designed boxes. Nice boxes. They start at just 10 bucks for a gift set. 
you know, they're great stocking stuffers. If you just want to give someone like a handle, it's a great stocking stuffer. Even get yourself something while you're in there. I mean, I, I, you always might need something yourself. Go <laughs> add it to your cart while you're in there. As a special offer for fans, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off your order when you go to harrys.com slash ifanboy. This offer is only available for the holidays. This holiday, give Harry's and give handsome shipping cutoffs end this week. So if you want your Christmas gifts in by then, act now to get them delivered in time. To get a special limited edition holiday shave set while supplies last, go to harrys.com slash ifanboy. Right now, that's harrys.com slash ifanboy. This is an unsponsored comment. Give handsome is, is good work. Whoever, whoever came up with that copy, that's good work. Black Bolt number eight, Joshua. I, yeah. Um, I read it, but <gasps> the thing is, the same creative team, Saladin Ahmed, Christian Ward, we liked the first arc, which was Black Bolt in prison with Absorbing Man. He shows up in Adelan with all of the Inhumans that I don't like, and I was just like, this doesn't feel as fun as before. Yep. Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way, except for the part with the dog. <laughs> See? I'm not dogs, kidding. Dogs, dogs, I felt that way through most of it, and I thought, I think the thing that I liked about this book is that I wasn't dealing with any of that stuff, and I got to hang out with this character I like, and it feels like him, and that's great. Let's just keep him out there, space pirating or whatever it is they want to do. That being said, dog part with Lockjaw, they healed him up. That made me feel good. He got his back to tank or whatever it is they do. Mm-hmm. It's an inhuman back to tank. I did like the moment where his son, who's pissy because Black Bolt's a shitty dad. And also, Black Bolt apparently has a duffel bag that he got in space. <laughs> it's a prison issue. He hugs his son, who looks at him suspiciously. You know, and there's a whole thing about that. But I liked that moment. I liked the way that those three pages went. I thought they were really well done. There were scenes I definitely liked. Yep. I just was like, oh, I, I remember these Inhumans that they've created in the last few years that I don't care about. And mm-hmm. I mean, he does leave Adelan at the end. Yep. And then he goes to deal with more Absorbing Man issues. Which and that's I'm, fine. I'm still going to read. I just yep. This issue was like, oh, bummer. I, 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 I got you. I, I'm 100% down with you. It was well done, but it was like, all right, we're, we're, we, were, we tried to avoid this, but we always end up back in it. The Fix, number Dogs. 10. I thought this book... I forgot about it. And ended. Well, I didn't think it ended, but it's, it's been so long. I don't even know yeah. how long it's been since the I last went, issue. Oh, this book, right. I, I have to read this. And then I was like, oh, right, okay, I, I remember what happened. That's fine. I enjoyed it a yeah. lot. I mean, it's, it's still fun. It was just like, oh, one of those things where I had to remember where we were and everybody. And it, was, it came back to me as we read it. Sure. I got to say, like, I'm really impressed with Nick Spencer on this because mm-hmm. a lot of people have tried this kind of book with this kind of humor and it doesn't last very long and it tends to fall flat after a little while. But there's a real specific voice on this that isn't necessarily something that I think that I'd seen in his writing before. And I, and I have a, you know, I have a feeling this is, it's just more of his voice and it, it comes through. It's really, it's really good and funny and interesting. And, you know, and I'll, Steve Lieber's a master. Yeah. Period. This level of snark works on this particular book. Yep. And that's Spencer's writing style excels with that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for me in other scenarios. I didn't like his Captain America. Sure. It, it totally but works it was, here. Yeah. It's uh, it does. cynical and it's funny and it's mean and it's it's also very observant about LA and the entertainment oh, business yeah. in the world and He's also like like in terms of working with Steve Lieber on the two of them you know, doing comedy beats, and they did what was the, the Sinister Foes of Spider-Man or whatever, which was you know, very similar. But they they obviously have a rapport that makes this tone work. Mm-hmm. It's a large, there's a long scene with a, a dude who has masturbated a lot in a hotel room, just sort of sitting in the middle of another conversation, <laughs> and it's very funny. It's yeah. really good. I like the book. I was happy to see it back. I just completely yep. kind of sort of written it off because it had been so long since. Yeah, I just I was like, well, this really is impressive. I got I got I got to give him that. Captain America 696, Mark Wade, Chris Somney, Matthew Wilson, Joe Caramagna. Magna. Very good, but like... There's mm. that but. No, it's just not but. It's just it, was, it was very good. It just was like the last issue, but not as good as the last issue. Yeah, I got a little like... No, we're, we are just, we're just going to drive around and do a different city all the time? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with road tripping cap. It hasn't been too much about earning back trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I just... I just, you know, I feel like I've seen it. I liked the way the swordsman was written and like their fight. And I don't know, it seemed like the right level for Cap. I, I don't know that I was expecting something else to blow me away, some new concept on Cap or something like that. But it was good. See, that's exactly what I don't want is a new concept on Cap. Because they've been new concept in Cap for years. I'm not saying that right. 
my feeling is this is leading up to 700. So I think we're going to get like sure. a couple more of these and then it'll culminate in whatever the big 700th issue is. But I feel like he's just going to be road tripping for three more issues or something. There was a bit where he's on the phone and he said something that reminded me of that MySpace thing. Oh. A long time ago. Left a bat. Oh, I don't play Candy Crunch. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, ah, don't don't go anywhere near any of that. Don't make me think of that ever again. That being said, there is a bit on the very last page uh, where he asks this restaurant owner if he can pay for something. There's just one page where the restaurant owner glowers at him angrily, yeah. and I was like, that was a great beat. I really enjoyed that beat. Yeah, I think Mark Wade needs to stay away from... He needs to be a classic storyteller and not try to make it modern, because it's one of the reasons why I've stopped reading a lot of his other books is because it doesn't work very well when you have a middle-aged man trying to use the cultural touchstones. Like, Candy Crush is not a cultural touchstone anymore. No, yeah. It was four years ago. Tell a classic cap story. Don't worry about making it seem hip. So, have you been reading Iron Fist? Yes, and I wanted to mention it because I wasn't in love with the first issue of this run, which was issue one, way back 74 issues ago. <laughs> But you liked it a lot, and you convinced me to keep reading it when you talked about it in the show, and I did, and I'm glad I did, because I really like it. So I stopped reading, because I thought, well, neither of them are going to read it, so it's not going to be any fun to talk about. No, I, I, you should go back on it. It's okay, good. I will. It's no, it's like, I think it was a couple of heavy weeks, and I missed one, so then there was like two or three of them, and I was like, eh, it's fine. I don't, I don't need to read it, but okay, go ahead. This story's been good, in which Danny Rand has teamed up with Sabretooth. It's fallout from that first story arc, in which he went, remember when he went and fought all the masters of Kung Fu yep. in that, that land? Well, they haven't given up their quest to take over Kunlun. And so here they actually make it through the barrier and they begin their invasion as Danny Rand and Sabretooth go to stop them. I Actually, I, that's exactly where I stopped reading it because there was the cover with Sabretooth and I was like, I don't care. It's been kind of like a weird buddy comedy thing. All right, I, I'm getting the last three. I'm, I'll catch up. Plus a really good, actually really good beat this issue. So they had like this society of serpents or all the, whatever it is, all those serpent-themed villains. We're helping them, and Constrictor gets killed. They realize it's actually not Constrictor. It's his, it's his illegitimate son. And there was a nice moment in, in where all the other villains got, got upset about that. It's been good, and I like the art a lot. I like uh, cool. Mike Perkins a lot. It, this one feels more... Mike Perkins! You know how we talk about Luke Cage feeling kind of watered down from the way it was written as the mm-hmm. team-up book? Well, this doesn't feel like watered down to any rand. Ironically, because it's the same guy writing Luke Cage. Right, which is even more perplexing. He must have got some notes. All right. I like Iron Fist a lot. I actually really enjoy it. Cool. Thank you for convincing me otherwise. So, uh, let's let's journey over to Connor's favorite corner, over to Star Wars corner. We're going to be talking about Darth Vader number 9. I feel like I'm in purgatory. I'm reflexively just checking numbers on everything now. <laughs> oh, is it actually 9? It's funny they did renumber, so it should be more than that, but apparently that doesn't work. But on everything else they jump forward 700 issues. Hey, it's Giuseppe Camincoli. Yeah, he's been he's been the artist on this. I know, but I'm but, saying he's he's been on this show already. It's a second. It's appearance. true. Uh, he's great. You actually, I wouldn't say, oh, this guy should be a Star Wars guy, but it, it turns out that Giuseppe Camincoli is the perfect fit for every book you want to put him on. <laughs> is what I've learned uh-huh. in time. I, you know, his, he was on Spider Man for a long time. Uh, you know, I knew him from Hellblazer, so he's versatile. Wouldn't think that makes sense. This is a story about uh, there's basically one surviving Jedi archivist who comes back to Coruscant to try to. Uh, either get some information out or protect the archives, you know, out of after young Anakin killed everybody who who lived there. And Darth Vader has to hunt her down because he's trying to learn something from her. And it's it's a fight between an old lady Jedi and Darth Vader. And it's it's really good. I thought it's really fun. Uh, it totally worked for me. Mm-hmm. I think because you don't have to do much characterization of Darth Vader. Right. Much like the Punisher, he works in these auxiliary stories. But also... You don't want to do much characterization, as we've learned in the right. past. The more you know about him, the less interesting he is. Exactly. And, and like every once in a while, they'll do a thing where they'll refer. It's so funny because Darth Vader is the only character who you kind of like they'll do something. and You'd be like, I guess he just made a sad head motion. But you don't know. <laughs> he can't even emote. Like if you said Shmi, if he just holds completely still, <laughs> you're like, oh, he's sad about it. Or he moves his head a little bit. And that's what's great about Darth Vader. And I think when they emulate that in the books... It works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got done with it, though, and I thought, you know, this is pretty entertaining. And I've been thinking that through most of this run. It's a lot of, you know, lightsaber fighting and, and Jedi stuff. And it, right. uh, it, it's just a force, and it's, it's fun. And it's not ruining the, the previous stories for me. So right, There you go. That's, that's so that was Star Wars Corner. Those are the books we wanted to talk about every week at patreon.com slash ifanboy. All of the patrons can vote 
on the book they want to add to the rundown, and they were in the holiday spirit this week, Josh. Top five books featured DC Holiday Special, and the winner, Klaus and the Crisis in Xmasville, number one, Grant Morrison, Dan Moore. This is a holiday special follow-up to the Klaus miniseries, which we, we liked quite a bit back in the day when it came out. It was Pick of the Week a couple times. This was 50 pages. Yes, around. it was. <laughs> I thought this was not that great. Are we sure this is Grant Morrison? <laughs> it felt less like Grant Morrison than the original miniseries did, which which had a lot to do with mythology and magic and the themes that he likes. This felt much more standard. It was really hard for me to find Grant Morrison in this, and, th- and that's really not a criticism, but I did think it the entire time I was reading it. This issue? Yeah, I just thought, I don't see Grant Morrison in this at all. It's very strange to me. I mean, there were some things like the flashback to Father Agamemnon, Partridge the Third, who in a trademark dispute war against, I mean, like the cola company having a trademark dispute, actual war, and there was like robots and stuff. That felt yeah. kind of Grant Morrissey. That felt like somebody trying to do him. If you told me this was another writer writing in this world, I would have believed you. Yeah. I, I, it, I really like the art. Is this the same artist yeah, who did the other Moore, one? Yeah, really like the art. In yeah. fact, I think that it's better than it was before. Um, there were some things I really liked about it. I think the town of Santa Clauses who have the dead eyes is creepy and compelling and interesting in the mm-hmm. way that that went. All that stuff in the middle about who is basically Odin Quincannon from Preacher, mm-hmm. more or less, making a deal with with Space Lobo Santa yeah, to I, get... Uh, it's just... I don't... I really like the first miniseries... Yep. As a mythological take on Santa Claus and all these different versions of Santa Claus being these ver- these different characters. And I like that. That's a very Grant Morrison. And there's a part in here where he goes to Father Christmas, who's a different person than Santa Claus. And that felt right to me. That felt like Grant Morrison. And that was a more interesting part of the story. When he got to the aliens, I just kind of rolled my eyes and I didn't yep. really care about that. And a big old adventure with all the different kind of Santas around the world. That might have been fun and interesting, but... Klaus fighting these aliens who want the children's imaginations. I don't know. I just didn't do anything for me. I liked looking at it. I really liked looking at it. I thought it looked fantastic. I, the last couple pages I thought were really well done. Mm-hmm. Last three pages or so, there's this sort of... There's a, there's a shitload happening. As we try to talk about it now, it's 50 pages. and There's a lot of things. It didn't feel necessarily linear or tidy. You know, it just it was a lot of things. Some of them were all right. Most of them I didn't care about. It's possible that the concept was used up. The essential conceit, I think, of the aliens was not as interesting. Even the part of the soda company sort of trying to control Santa was... That was weird. But that's historically accurate in some ways in that Coca-Cola did a lot to shape the image of sure. Santa Claus. Not create it, but shape the public perception. So that was felt to me like a kind of commentary on that. But Grant Morrison has done commentary on that kind of thing before in a much more interesting way in the past. No, I agree with you. This is not... Again, if you told me this was a different writer, I would have believed you. So, I don't know. It was it was a bummer because I was really excited for it. I bet. I would have read this anyway, even if it had been a patron pick. Yeah. It just was strange. Like, it's just it was strange. A, it was like a strange I... comic. It, it felt like... He had an idea for another miniseries, and they didn't do it. They did it in the special, so he, sh- he shoved it all into 50 pages instead of uh, 100 or whatever it was. I don't think it needed to be longer. Well, who knows? I mean, I, I, I would have yeah. liked more on the uh, mythological aspect of it, which only got Like, a there was a bit, because it's Xmasville, and there's a bit where, like, they explained why it was Xmasville, and I was like, stop, talk, don't say this. <laughs> don't explain this to me. The opening was good. I liked the you yep. know the, the family stops in Exosville for gas or whatever, and then they, the dad gets taken to be another zombie Santa, and the kids get kidnapped for their imagination. I liked all that. It was good. Yep. It was unsettling, as you said. It just once they got into a lot of exposition about the aliens and they, where they came from and what they need the imagination for, I was like, ah, <sighs> it was very tiring. <laughs> like Batman. Yeah, just just go to bed, Bruce. I'm tired like Batman. I'm using that. <laughs> so, Klaus and the Crisis in Xmasville, number one. Ratings. Ratings. Two and a half. Two and a half is where I was at, too. No, no need to ask if you're sticking with it. It's a special. So, there you go. Thank you for the holiday cheer, patrons. Appreciate the vote. Go to patreon.com slash You can vote every Wednesday to Thursday. Any patron at any level can vote. We also like to thank our patrons who support us at a little bit of a higher level over patreon.com slash fanboy. The $5 and up get their own superpower. So we thank them on the show every week. Daniel Evers is our first patron. We're thanking Daniel Evers. 
Daniel can turn invisible, Josh. However, mm-hmm. he turns invisible much like an old-timey comic book invisible character in that there's a dotted outline of him. Ooh. It's difficult to find a really useful, practical way to implement that. Right. I mean, he could maybe hide in a shadowy area where his dotted lines fade into the background, but huh. unfortunately, it's not like an Invisible Woman scenario. He becomes basically a dotted outline man. Uh-huh. Well, it's, it's, it's still a more difficult target to hit. Yeah, absolutely. So there's that. Or he could go into water, perhaps. I don't know, but that's what uh-huh. he does. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sam Foreman has one microscopic eye. He can use it to see it. Great, great things greatly magnified. The problem is, it's Wait. an always-on feature. Wait, okay. So it's not that he's got one tiny eyeball. No, nope, nope, he's, nope. he's got a microscope eye. Yep. I see. Eye. Okay. I was picturing a guy with a regular eyeball and then a guy with like a really tiny eyeball. And I was trying. To... We're not trying to curse these people. <laughs> okay. Well, wait for my next one. So it's always on. So he's got to keep his eye closed or wear a yeah, patch yeah. over it, maybe. No, yeah, he got to keep it closed or he's gonna go. He's gonna get headaches at the very least. How does he even focus between one microscopic eyeball and then one regular eyeball? You can, I think you just you have a I guess you you go with a patch. Yeah, I mean I get that, but like if he's not doing that, I'd love an optometrist to tell us how he would even focus. But I don't think you could. He'd have to wear the patch. He would just no. He'd have to wear the patch all the time on one of the eyes. What kind of magnifying are we talking about here? What level? Microscope. I mean, he can get down there. Not like electron microscope, but right. which is not actually optical to begin with. So, you know, I don't know what a microscope does. I didn't do I didn't get that far. I thought of this as you were closing up your last one. So <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. I want you to improv on the spot, Josh. Three hundred, four hundred? Sure. Something like that. I haven't touched a microscope since the early nineties. So I don't know what they do anymore. They could fucking fly at this point out as far as I can I'm concerned. I assume they're all web connected now, <laughs> digital. <laughs> I don't know. I was looking at slides with the microscope. People are like, schools don't even buy this shit anymore. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what we're gonna do. Lance Swenson. So you know how? Well, everyone's got joints, and some people are double jointed. Lance is quadruple jointed. Go on. That's all. I mean, I don't know. That's what. That's what. You don't even know what that means. No, I don't. Science doesn't even know what that means. Science is, is struggling to even understand what that means. <laughs> But he's quadruple jointed. All right, hold on, because my thumbs are double jointed, <laughs> so I know that I can pop it this way, mm-hmm. and then it goes back to its regular position. Right. So presumably, triple jointed would allow me to go the other way. The fourth <laughs> joint, however, <laughs> is perplexing me. And science as well, Josh. This thing is cutting edge. <laughs> you know, papers and careers are being made off of Lance's Science physical Science even move. can't identify it enough to define it, is no. what you're saying. Mm-mm. Wow. I'm sorry, Lance. You can't even picture it, really. It's, you have to see it to believe it. <laughs> My meager words would not be enough to describe accurately what Lance's body can do. I don't know if this should count. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, but you managed to find a new low. <laughs> can you explain it? No, I cannot. <laughs> Colin, <laughs> this is stupid. Colin Scott, uh-huh. third leg. Interesting. Not, not in, not in the vernacular sense. Not in Act- the. Uh, yeah, no, actual uh, third leg. Where is it coming from? See, if I was a lesser man, I would just like I don't know. <laughs> but I'm gonna just say back middle. <laughs> like above the butt. Oh, so he can kind of make it into like a stool and sit. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's he's really good at planting. So it's like a tail, but it's just got a foot on it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's much more it's it's much more active and useful and stronger. Well, I mean, it's from where it's coming from in his body. If it's coming, yeah, from that from, location it's is more like a tail with a foot. Yep. But that's cool. He's got he's like a human tripod. Mm-hmm. He can sit. He's he never needs a seat. Like you know, you go to like a. Like an outdoor movie or, or even the beach. And you're like, ah, I didn't bring my chair. He, he doesn't need it. He can just. So you're, still, you're, still, you know, you're, still, you're still working. He must have astronomical tailoring bills. Yeah, pants and chairs are a problem. Hmm. But if he could do handstands, he could really do some damage with three feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just, right now I'm thinking, well, why have I never seen this, quite honestly? 
Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Seems like seems like a waste. So thanks to Daniel, Sam, Lance, and Colin for sp- helping the show at, at patreon.com slash ifanboy. And thanks again to Chris Lewis every week who updates our internal spreadsheet that one day we will unleash upon the world. But it helps us not to repeat ourselves. Patreon.com slash ifanboy is where all that happens. So real quick about Patreon, you may have noticed they made an announcement this week about some changes to the way that they collect fees. Uh, and a lot of people don't like it. We're not the, really the biggest fans of it either, but right now it is still the best platform for us. It's the best option. It certainly works better than our previous one did to allow listeners who you know want to help support the show directly, and it's still the easiest way to easily reward all those people like we've been doing. You know, if you decide that it's not your thing because of the way that they've changed the fee structure, we get it. We don't blame you. Not personal. That's your thing. If you want to hang around, we would also completely appreciate that. And, you know, at the same time, we're always looking around for new platforms and different ways to do that if if this doesn't seem like a thing that works anymore. Just, you know, for the other side of this, in case you're wondering why we do this, what it's, what's there for, you know, A, it really does cost a lot more to run this than you or we thought. To do it, it's it's really not insignificant. We're talking about years and years of content and a website that we actually just had to revamp this year, uh, sort of from the ground up. It was collapsing on itself. Yeah, you didn't see it, but there was a really big deal, and we're we're always working on things to make it work better for you. You know, on the other side of it, it helps justify the time and energy that we put into the show, which is not insignificant. And you know, we've got jobs. I have a family. I have all that stuff, and being able to bring something home out of it really makes a big difference. So. You know, it's that value thing. Like, if you want to support the thing that you value, we're not going to make you do it. The folks who do, you make a real big difference to us. And hopefully that's an exchange for the difference that we make to you guys. And we've been there for you and you've been there for us. And, and that this is one way to, to do so. So basically, thanks to everyone who's been doing that. If you want to keep up with it, you want to jump on board, you can go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. And uh, our next stretch goal is a non-comics media podcast which is you know, still in the offing. If you listen next week, you're going to hear our all-media show. It would be one of those, but every month, not three hours, mind you, but uh, on, a, on a specific topic. <laughs> Definitely not three hours. Oh. You can also head over to ifanboy.threadless.com where you will find the five designs there, the ifanboy and the Herm shirt, which have been around. Of course, the newer ones, pick of the week. Ratings, and of course, our, our newest shirt, if one is Electro. Two more will be coming in January. We're going to double up. So there's going to be two more shirts available in uh, January. Uh, if you were a patron and you came to our hangout, you would have seen a preview of the next design there, and it made me laugh a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Uh, there is free shipping over at Threadless until December 15th. So you have like... A couple of days if you're th- if you yeah. want to get free shipping on these you've got like you know a handful of days to get this done before the holidays for free the shipping. code is cheer f nine one six b two just go to the store you'll see at the top there um and we'll we'll put it on the show page order minimum is forty five dollars in the u s or eighty dollars international you can get a big eye fanboy shower curtain if you wanted to <laughs> is that a thing we made available or is that just a thing we could make available i don't know i don't know it might be available I think everything's right. available. I want one of you to get the ratings bath mat real bad. I want to get the ratings bath mat pretty That's bad. That's actually a great idea, yeah. It is. Or the if one was electro bath mat. There's, there's things that can be done. They make good gifts. Your grandma probably wants an, an electro shirt. What is this again? Wear it, grandma. Steve, why do you keep getting me these gifts? <laughs> I feel like that they would be a fantastic. They gave me a coupon if it's free shipping. You get an electro shirt, grandma. Shut it. You can also go to ifanboy.com slash support, like we said, where we still have a way to do a direct donation via PayPal. And again, as always, as we start to close up this year, where are my rich folks at? I think you've got a lot to answer for. Apparently, you're going to make even more money, so why not head some of it this way? (laughs) I got political very lightly, but I did it, and I'm not sorry. Let's move along. Let's do some emails. We're going to run long because it's the last show of the year. We're going to knock out these emails. Tom D. from Grand Isle, Vermont, up in Josh country, says... I've been wondering about this for a couple of years. I much prefer to read comics on my iPad. That works fine for everything in comicsology, but there are many things, Cerebus, for example, that aren't on the platform. I can get them on iBooks or Kindle, but those readers don't support the one panel at a time feature that is important for reading comics. Is there a way around this? I don't read them one panel at a time. I can't imagine why you would, certainly if you had an iPad. I mean, we talked about this before, and I don't... You know, some people do read it that way, and it's totally fine. I, I totally don't get it, but for doing it. It cha- for me, it changes the form of the comic from a page to a panel system, where uh, the page is so deliberately laid out to tell a story in a certain way, you're losing that by reading it one chunk at a time. I, I'm, I see why you would zoom in on a panel to really, really sure. good look at it, but to me, it's like watching a movie, but through a little square that only shows you whose face is talking and doesn't look at the rest of the 
it's like it's removing frame. editing yeah. really from the situation and removing mise-en-scene and composition yeah i mean the, the work of the comic book artist is to tell their story within that page and that to that to me is the most impressive thing about this art form mm-hmm. it's the most underappreciated i think too yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the thing that took me the longest time to sort of be able to recognize and understand. And it took talking about comic books for a, more than a decade. It took making comic books, it, all that stuff to sort of really go, oh, this is the thing. But, you know, when you talk to comic book artists and they talk about other comic book artists that they love, that is the thing that really impresses people because that's the real meat of the of the job. You made a good point about editing. It is kind of the editing of com- page yeah. layouts because editing is something you shouldn't necessarily notice unless it's really good. It should tell. It's like the score. It's like a lot of things in filmmaking that's yeah. that's sort of, they shouldn't stand out. Like page layouts is something that, like really seasoned comics readers notice, but it shouldn't be noticed normally. You know, and and I get that. Like the individual panel. This is not your. We didn't answer your question no, because we, I don't we, think we know your. I don't think we know an answer to your question. Well, let's get to that after you finish your point. I mean, the thing is that you know this panel view thing was come up as before there were tablets. It was the way for people to be able to read comics on their phone, and this was the solution for that. Yeah, yeah. And you know. We worked for a company that did digital comics that also did this. Yeah. So we're not without fault. Or without expertise on why it was, it was there in That's the first true. place. I mean, I've never read a comic on the, on, through the iBooks app or through the Kindle. I assume you can still pinch and zoom, can't you? Yes. Have you read like Gotham Garage or whatever? Like there's a couple of made for digital things that they do that are more of a straight up panel swish view. Mm-hmm. Like they're made to do that. I, got, I think DC does a bunch of those, and, and Marvel did for a little bit. Yeah, I don't like that experience. Mm-hmm. I liked it with Batman '66 because it felt kind of pop arty, and it felt like the show. Okay, but when you're you're talking about comics that were designed to fit in a regular page and right. go that way, yeah, um, that's not that thing. That's di- that's but different. I, would, I mean, I would. I mean, there's no way to add panel zoom to a feature that doesn't have panel zoom. You can't. There's no workaround for that. You, the only <laughs> thing you could do would be to zoom in and read it. Just read it close up, panel to panel. I just realized that near the end of that venture, I literally managed the team of people whose job it was to do that to Marvel and DC Comics. Hmm. And I and I and like in a certain like they never asked me any questions about that because I wouldn't have known. Like they just got good at it, and they you know had to come up with go arounds for different types of things and other companies, not just those. Oh God, I think I I think I was a bad guy. You have to manually do it. There's no way to do it for the other ones. John from Denver says, I've recently been going back and watching some of the old video shows on YouTube. With the holiday season in full swing, I've also recently tried to do as you jamokes have suggested and recommend the podcast to friends and family. Awesome. However, this can be hard to do since the pick <laughs> of the week. The pick of the week is less accessible for uh, for those who do not read comics on a regular monthly basis. The format of the old video shows, however, in which very general comics-related topics discussed seems like an easier pitch to someone who has a passing or perhaps a new interest in comics. A show covering the history and impact of the Black Panther would be easy to recommend to friends looking forward to the next movie, for example. With that in mind, I was wondering if you might consider revisiting the format in audio podcast form, obviously, at any point, perhaps as a patron goal or uh, even as part of the Talksplode Booksplode rotation. Well, how did this business pitch get into here? So, the video show coming back is a patron stretch goal. I mean, we're never going to hit it. No, but it's there. Yeah, it has been since the beginning. Revisiting that format is unlikely because when we were doing the video show, we were doing iFanboy full time, and so all of our time was spent doing iFanboy. Those shows took a hell of a lot of preparation. We had to do a lot of reading for those shows. Mm-hmm. It's hard enough to read the book for the book's blown. It really is. Let alone a stack of Black Panther trades to prepare for a Black Panther show. Because we wouldn't want to do it a shitty job like we do here every week. Uh, we would want to, you know, the, the, you'd want to be as knowledgeable as possible, and that requires lots of reading. You know, as, as it was, even when we were doing it full time, like when we did the Sandman show, it took me forever to read, you know, 12 yeah. trades to prepare for that show. It just was a lot of preparation work. 10. Whatever it was. It felt like 12. Further. We were starting to have a hard time. We we're running out of uh, we did subjects. Two hundred episodes plus the minis. It was definitely a challenge because we covered a lot of the basics. So really, what you would want and ask for is like to update some of those. But like, I, I don't. Well, I think there's enough that's happened since we, we stopped doing the show. Yeah. What uh, six years ago? Seven years ago? The video show. Yeah, but a lot of the basics and the things that we actually had some authority on, I think. You know, we, we went through a lot of that. I'm not saying we couldn't do it, but 
it would be diminishing returns. Well, I mean, you, you could do. I mean, we do a Doctor Strange show. We do a Black Panther show. Those things didn't cover. Sure. But, and there's things that have happened. I mean, I don't think should we be in a position where we had to do that. We would. We could come up with things. Absolutely. We, we'd run out again, but we could come up with them at least initially. The amount of work required to do those shows well is pretty high and not really realistic in our lives anymore. We did not have full time jobs then, except yeah. to do that. Yeah, um, that was the big difference. It was great, uh, but it was just—it was. I mean, it really was. I had a giant stack of books next to my bed at all times. You—you you could kind of see what our future topics were based on what I had stacked in my bed. I mean, we're talking about like a twenty-four inch stack of comics to read for the show preparation. That you yeah. know, we sometimes run right up on this show just reading the regular weekly books. Yep, just not not a ton amount of time. Lucas B from Snowy Lugenbach, no. Austria. Lunbach. Lunbach. Nope. Nullenbach. Nope. <laughs> I believe it's Nullenbach. I can't do it either. Nullenbach. Neulenbach. Neulenbach. Neulenburg. Austria. <laughs> Nullenbach, Austria. I'm sure it's beautiful there. He said, Lucas <laughs> says, Christmas is coming, and to honor the late great comic shots, that was a column we used to have on the website, I would like you to compose a Christmas dinner. Pick... Choose and explain which comic you serve as starter, main course, and dessert this year. Ooh. That is a weird, it's weird a, question. It, it is, but it's a good question. But I love it. It's a really good question. Can we do this together? Do we each Let's have to compose our own meal? Let's do it together it will take too long to do it separately. We're throwing a dinner party. You and I are hosting a dinner party. All right, so we're talking about starter, main course, and dessert. So we got three. A starter is going to be a light and... So you, it's something snackable, something that it's not going to fill you up. It's going to leave mm-hmm. you wanting more, but it's also going to be delicious. Here's my suggestion, and we didn't talk about it this week. Okay. Rock Candy Mountain. Mm, that's interesting. It's one way to go. It's, yeah, it's no, definitely, it's definitely a way to go. It made me think of how bummed I am that it's ending soon. Yeah. Obviously, you need like a mini series like that. It may actually be too long for us. It's going to be like I was, I was going more from a tone perspective. Mm. Is there Just like a, a nice four-issue miniseries? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. The other thing is, it's on my fresh on my mind. Right. A lot of other, just to go to the last question again. I, I don't have the mental capacity I used to. All right, let's let's pick them from this week's books. Okay. About that. Okay. So that's the so Rock County Mountain is our. I'm gonna open up my pull list here. Rock County Mountain is the is the starter. Well, I mean, the holiday special was 90 pages, so. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah, but that doesn't feel like. So you want something meatier, something you can really. Feel fulfilled is, reading. Is Batman your main course this week? I think Batman's got to be the main course. I think Batman has to be your main course. Could you serve a, uh, what's it when they do two things at the same time on a plate? Like a, not a duo, but a, which would be appropriate for Batman, but you know what I'm talking about? There's a word for it. No. When they put like a piece of steak and a piece of pork oh. next to each other. Like surf and turf. No. I haven't watched Top Chef in a while, so I don't remember how it oh. works. But like, you could serve Batman with Batman White Knight together. Oh, a little Batman. Uh, little, yeah. little, I see. Let's do that. Because I think the two of them function nicely with one another. Batman and Batman White Knight as your sort of main course. Mm-hmm. Your surf and turf action. Mm-hmm. I think you take the holiday special out and you carve it up into little slices for dessert. Oh. See, I was going to go with a fix for dessert. Hmm. Well, we could have two desserts. Sure. You know, some people like sweet, some people like savory desserts. Mm-hmm. Yours is more savory. I wasn't thinking of it that way, but sure. Let's do it that way. Then I'll just bring out the holiday special on a nice long board and slice it. That's, <laughs> yeah. It got weird. The, and the thing is, the, the, the Sergeant Rock is delicious. The, uh, the concept of the question was also weird. So I feel like our answer was. was, in, was in the name, the place name where it came from uh, was apparently impossible for, uh, for our, our Western ears. Nullingbach. Nullingbach. Neudberg. We got it now. So thank you, Lucas and John and Tom, for writing in. Contact at ifanboy.com is the email address. And so what happens at the end of every year is we start over. So we, we dump all the unused emails, and there's hundreds of them into a folder, and we start over with new ones. So send us some emails in the coming year for the show next year. We also renumber the show like we do every year. 
Let's bring this show home. Okay, so in January, you've got Toxplode and Booksplode coming up. There's a very, again, very slight chance you could have Toxplode this year, but I think I see which way the wind is blowing. So uh, we'll, we'll look those up. Um, the holiday schedule, of course, is going to be the next week is the all media show. It's a smorgasbord of content uh, with myself, Connor, and Mike Romo. That's on the 17th. Somewhere around the 19th, we're going to be doing a show about The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. the Jedi Fini, I believe. Uh, is how the French would say. And then we're back uh, with Pick of the Week number 615 on January 7th. And I just did it all for you. That's okay. There. I'll take your spot. Head over to ifanboy.com. That's where you can find all of our podcasts, uh, our past Talksplodes and Booksplodes. And, um, you know, if you're lucky, you might even find some of the old video shows there, although you're more likely to find them working properly on YouTube. But you can go through and find old content there on ifanboy.com. As we said, we, we made it workable, so it's not, it's not less likely to take four hours to navigate through it. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy and following ifanboy on Twitter at, at ifanboy. And you can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram and at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. Same naming convention. I can't recommend you follow me on Twitter, but <laughs> you can. And finally, if you like the show, write a review on iTunes. Leave a star rating. That's for our show. Any podcast you listen to, how about as a nice Christmas present for the shows that you enjoyed throughout the year? Take two minutes to go to iTunes, leave a quick review or just a star rating. It's one click of a button and it'll help the show out. That'd be a nice Christmas present for everybody. Better yet, tell your friends. As John said earlier, he recommends this show to his friends and family. Thanks, John. So do that. That's do like awesome. John. We didn't thank him specifically for that. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Be like John and uh, recommend your show to your mom. Your Christmas gatherings. You need music at your New Year's party. Grandma, I gave you that shirt. What the heck? I mean, you could put music on or you could put the podcast on. Let's, let's be honest. Whose party will be better? I don't find the Jim Oak joke very funny, though. <laughs> so, so do you think we could listen to the West Wing show you like instead? Help us spread the iFan by love, and thanks to everybody who did all those things throughout the year. Thank you for everyone who listened to the show throughout the year. Uh, we, we appreciate all of you, and until next year, I'm Connor. Why does the one with the higher voice yell sometimes and call it Steve? It's not <laughs> funny. She's right. Jingle bells, jing, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. I love those J-I-N-G-L-E bells. Oh, those holiday J-I-N-G-L-E bells. Oh, those happy J-I-N-G-L-E-B-E-L-L-S. I love those jingles.